Milwaukee, Wisconsin yesterday working with some leaders, and I gave them two tips about speaking. The first tip is don't share your successes with your audience. Share your failures because not everybody in your audience has succeeded, but they've all failed. And the more you show your own vulnerability, the more they're going to like you. People don't like braggarts. important for the heart, mind, and soul. Welcome to another inspiring episode of Podcast with Sheila, the podcast that is spreading positivity around the world by sharing inspiring life experiences. Today's guest, Dr. Danny Brussel, is a highly sought-after speaker, trainer, and coach known as Jim Carrey. He has spoken to over 3,000 audiences worldwide and authored 16 books, including his latest, Leadership Begins with Motivation. He is a co-founder of The Reading Habit, the world's top reading engagement program, and today we are discussing the importance of reading with regards to success, leadership development, personal development, and if there is time, a few insights on parenting. Hello, Danny, and welcome to Podcast with Sheila. Hi, Sheila. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate you spreading some joy around the world. Oh, thank you very much for the good word you just put in there for us. In my introduction, we talked about a little bit about you, but do you mind sharing more about who Danny is, where he comes from, a few insights into your person before we set the ball rolling? Well, it's ironic that I'm considered America's leading reading ambassador since I grew up hating reading. My father was a librarian, and I hated public libraries growing up. They always smelled funny. The furniture was always uncomfortable. There was always some elderly woman telling me to be quiet. There was always some homeless guy who thought he was a vampire hanging out by the bookshelves. I always hated libraries. And it wasn't until I started teaching in the inner city and I saw that a lot of my students didn't have the advantages that I had growing up. And I said, shame on me. I mean, I grew up lower middle class, but we always had food on the table. I had both parents in my home, and my parents always read to us kids, in front of us kids, and we had plenty of access to reading materials. And so when I saw that not all kids have that, it became really a passion, a mission for me to really spread the joy of reading to people of all ages around the world. What is the importance of reading with regards to success? Well, there's plenty of readers that don't necessarily become successful leaders, but I, I challenge anybody to show me an example of a, an effective, successful leader who is not also an avid reader, and so it, it, they, they run hand in hand, and it doesn't matter what the field also, I mean, um, you'll see it in business leaders, uh, Elon Musk is the richest person in the world, he still reads at least one book a day, Warren Buffett spends his entire day reading, uh, you can see it in the military, people like... Uh, you know, General Schwarzkopf was said to have read in four languages and could quote Shakespeare voraciously, um, you know, in, in entertainment. Uh, even dyslexics like Whoopi Goldberg, Tom Cruise, and Sylvester Stallone, they're reading all the time. And uh, in athletics, uh, you know, uh, LeBron James, the basketball player, I could have kissed him before the NBA Finals uh, when he was playing with the Miami Heat. They showed him in the locker room reading a copy of The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. I just thought, wow, you just did more to encourage kids to read than I'll ever do in my lifetime. So it really doesn't matter what the field, uh, if you really want to succeed, one of the quickest routes to doing that is by reading. Why do you think people don't like to read? 
Well, I think the reason people don't like to read is they're forced to read things that they don't want to read. So I'll give you a perfect example. I was doing an interview in Nigeria, mm. and Nigeria is a fairly recent democracy. I think it was around the 1960s they broke off from British rule, but they still have a British system of education. And so the kids are still forced to read Charles Dickens and, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, William Shakespeare and uh, things like that. I'm not not putting those people down, but I think that if you were to introduce the kids to Nigerian authors like Chinua Achebe, great person for them to read you know uh that's really and i this is across cultures if you really want to get people to read you need to base the reading on their interest i mean uh if a person's interested in knitting give them books on knitting if a person's interested in comic books give them comic books uh interest drives reading and uh, you know human beings are only uh motivated to do things that they like to do so the way you get kids to like reading and give get anybody to like reading is to base the reading on that person's interest no great i I agree with you totally i agree with you i think the last time that i mentioned that my children have a reading app from school and before you set it up the children will have to pick their areas of interest so those are the books that pop up on the app and then it gets them to read so that totally makes sense yes that totally makes sense and i agree with you on that so how can reading be made a lifelong habit well, the way you make it a lifelong habit is by establishing it as a daily habit. Mm. So that's my program. Is uh, It's based on two numbers. The two numbers are 67 and 20. Mm-hmm. And so we'll examine them one at a time. The first number is 67. A lot of people will tell you it takes 21 days to change a habit. And to those people, I say... Show me the research on that. It's a completely fabricated number, and I know exactly where the number comes from. It comes from a wonderful book written in 1960 by Dr. Maxwell Maltz called Psycho-Cybernetics. Now, Dr. Maltz was a plastic surgeon, Mm -hmm. and in the preface of the book, he said that he observed it took most of his patients about 21 days to get used to their new face. Well, a lot of personal development gurus, a lot of people that I respect, by the way, mm. uh, start telling people it takes 21 days to change a habit. And that number is completely based on no research. Yeah. Well, researchers at the University of London in, in uh, 2009 did a habit formation study, and they determined it took anywhere from 18 to 254 days to change a habit, and the average was 66 days. Well, I don't like the number 66, so I threw in a bonus day, 67 days. <laughs> And it actually, the days depends on the type of habit you're trying to change also. So, for example, if you want to drink a glass of water before breakfast, that might take 18 days to form that into a habit. But if you want to quit smoking, that's going to take 254 days to change that habit. Here's why this is important, Sheila. Uh, Let's say you go on a diet Mm -hmm. and you follow it religiously for 21 days. Mm -hmm. But then on day 22, you fall off the wagon and you go back to your old habits. Well, you blame yourself, and that's completely wrong because research shows, on average, it takes three times longer than that to form a habit. So 67 is the first number. The second number I gave you is 20. So researchers were trying to find similarities in successful students around the world, and they stumbled upon something that just baffled them. It was the number of minutes students spent reading outside of school. They looked at the low students, the average students, and the high students. The students in the 20th percentile at the bottom of the class, your failing students, 
they average less than a minute a day reading outside of school. Well, that didn't surprise anybody. That's probably why those students are at the bottom of the class. But this did surprise the researchers. The kids in the middle of the class, in the 70th percentile, your C students, your average students, their average was 9.6 minutes a day. And so when I'm doing a live training with parents, this is when the room gets really quiet and the first parent raises their hand and says, wait a second, are you telling me if I can get my kid to read 10 minutes at home every single day, I can take him from an F to a C? Yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. There's a lot of research to support this. But this baffled the researchers even more. The students near the top of the class, in the 90th percentile, your A-minus students, do they spend three hours a day reading outside of school? No. Do they spend one hour a day reading outside of school for fun? No. The average was just over 20 minutes a day. 20 minutes. That's what I'm trying to establish as a habit in kids. And so there's two other things that parents need to know about. First of all, those minutes don't have to be consecutive. So you can do three minutes here, five minutes there. And second of all, being read aloud too is just as significant as reading on your own. So. For example, if it takes you, Sheila, 10 minutes each way to drive your, your children to school, put in an audio book and let the kids listen to the book to and from school. You've just covered your 20 minutes. It's those little things. That's how you create any lifelong habit is by first establishing the simple daily habit. You answered two questions in there for me. So I'm not going to ask them. One was if the reading habit should be consecutive, like three minutes here, three minutes, then you just said that all. And the next one was being read to is, is the same as making them read. So um, you answered them over there for me. Now let's go on to the next one, which is how can a leader communicate his or her message such that the message serves its purpose? Well, that's my whole other business, uh, Sheila leaders, how to, uh, uh, grow their business through effective speaking mm. and so the best way to do that is to share stories share stories it's uh it's been proven across the ages storytelling this is the power of reading all the time but, but not just any stories stories that actually emphasize a point that you're trying to make and so one of the tips i i was actually just in milwaukee wisconsin uh second of all i always tell people you know get a glass of whatever you want to drink sit in the chair with a pen and paper and I want you to write down every anecdote that's ever happened in your life. And I don't mean write down the entire story. I mean, I, I mean triggers. So for example, the time I locked myself out of the car, the time dad spilt mustard on his tie in that fancy restaurant, the time I peed my pants in second grade. And you'll come up with about four to 500 stories from your personal experience. And then the next thing you do is you say, oh, well, this story is actually a story about loyalty. This is a story about accountability. Oh, this is a story about overcoming obstacles. And this is how you build what I call plug-and-play stories where you can insert these into any type of speech that you're trying to present. So, for example, uh, yesterday when I was working with these leaders, they were saying, well, what do you do? I'm like, well, I, just, I, I created a speech the other day, and so the way I started off now is I say... Um, uh, when I was an elementary school teacher, every other teacher at my school went through thousands of Band-Aids every single year. I mean, kids love 
Band-Aids. They love Band-Aids and they love stickers. They work better than smokes on a prison yard. <laughs> well, I only went through one Band-Aid every single year. And people always ask me, how could that be? Well, on the first day of school, I always have a chubby kid, Paco. He's always picking his scab in the morning. And finally, about after lunch, he finally has success. And the annoying little girl next to him rubs her nose and raises her hand. Says, Miss Vicel, Paco's bleeding. And I say, oh my gosh, Paco, you're bleeding. You know what? I've got thousands of Band-Aids in my desk. Now all the kids are paying attention. And I'm like, I don't just have any Band-Aids. I have Mighty Morphin Power Ranger Band-Aids. And I'm going to give you the Green Ranger because the Green Ranger is the coolest. Now all my kids are just smiling with delight. So I take Paco to my desk and I say, oh, before I put on the Band-Aid, Paco, we got to clean out the wound. So I take out the rubbing alcohol and I say, Paco, you might want to hold my hand. This might burn a little bit. Mm. So I pour the rubbing alcohol on his scab. He starts screaming. Ah! I put on the band-aid. I say, okay, kids, anybody else need a band-aid? <laughs> Sheila, my kids can have a skull fracture, and they will never ask me for a band-aid. And so this is how I start the presentation. I say, so, folks, I'm not going to give you a band-aid today. What I'm going to give you our practical strategies to help you grow your business by becoming a better communicator. So that's how you take a story, a funny story, whatever, but there's also a point to it. Mm. And that's what we do. That's that's the value of storytelling. This is what I, and a lot of people think they have to use their own personal stories. Now, one of the most successful personal development books of all time is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. He doesn't share any personal stories in that book. All he did is he interviewed rich people and shared their stories. And so I have files literally on my computer, hundreds of files based on emotions. Like here's a story of a compassion. Here's stories of affection, stories about uh, responsibility. Um, and so if, I, if I'm reading a magazine article or if I'm listening to a podcast like yours and I hear a good story, I just insert that story into that folder. And if I'm ever giving a presentation where I have to offer points related to that emotion, I've got them on handy. Wow. I like that. I'm taking that tip with me. I'm taking that there tip with me. <laughs> I read that you were a former inner, inner city teacher on a mission to bring joy back into education and the workplace. How do you intend to achieve that? Well, here's a tip for everybody listening is mm. turn off the TV news and read a funny children's book or listen to a positive uh, podcast like this. I mean, the world's too negative nowadays. Yeah. Uh, one of my mentors uh, used to say, the same today as you will be in five years, except for two things, the people you meet and the books you read. So be wise and surround yourself with people that lift you up and make sure you're only reading things that are going to be positive uh, you know, you are what you focus on. Mm. If you always focus on the problem, will you become the problem? If you start focusing on the solution, you can become the solution. So please be part of the solution is what I urge everybody listening today. <laughs> I like that. Be part of the solution. I like in today's world, what is the best advice we can give to parents with regards to parenting as uh, we get ready to wrap up? Well, I'll give you a couple of tips. Just, I have three children of my own, mm. and uh, you know, it was either Socrates or Keanu Reeves who once said, you need a license to fish, a license to drive a car, but any idiot can become a parent. Well, now 
I'm not a parent that's been proven true, but in defense of parents, nobody gives them a manual at the hospital. Yeah. And so the entire point of my reading program is to share tips with parents on ways to get their kids excited about reading. Because the more excited we can get kids to read, the more likely they are to read, and the more they read, the better they get. I mean, I think schools do an adequate job of teaching kids how to read. But the question I always ask people is, what good is it teaching a kid how to read if they never want to read? I teach kids why to read because I've never had to tell a kid, go watch TV. Yeah. I've never had to tell a kid, go play a video game. And I never want to have to tell a kid, go read a book. I want them to choose to do it on their own because they enjoy it. And so one of the quick tips here is for a great tip for everybody in your audience is I have a feeling that television is here to stay. And uh, I don't believe in uh, battling different forms of technology. I believe in embracing different forms of technology. And so one of the tips I give parents is turn on the closed captioning on your television so there's subtitles. And a lot of people will say, well, wait a second, the subtitle is in English and the show is in English. What good does that do? I'm like, well, that's a fair point, but let me make a point. Have you ever watched a show with subtitles and not looked at the subtitles? That's very difficult to do. Your brain is drawn towards that text. There's actually research to support this. If you look at reading scores around the world, the more kids watch TV, the lower their reading scores are in every single country of the world except for one. The country where kids watch the most TV has the highest reading scores in the world. It's Finland. And people always ask, well, how can that be? I'm like, well... Yeah. Finland makes really bad TV shows. And so what they have to do is they import all these old American sitcoms like uh, mm -hmm. Happy Days and Welcome mm -hmm. Back, Cotter and Gilligan's Island, and they translate them, and the kids are reading the subtitles all the time. So that's an easy one for everybody out there. Uh, I have three children of my own, and each of my children and I are reading a different book together. You know, that time spent reading together is very valuable. So my, my oldest daughter and I are reading a fantasy series together. My son is interested in the Civil War, and so we're reading The Killer Angels by Michael Shira. And then my youngest daughter, for some reason, she likes literature, so we're actually reading Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens. And then my wife and I, she's, she's interested in the Outlander series by Diana Gabaldon, so we read those together. Um, and then one more tip, um, when I'm trying to establish habits even with my own children, uh, even when my kids were little, I knew that they were going to watch TV, but we, st we set up a rule in my house is that they can't turn on the TV. The price of admission is they have to bring me something to read before we turn on the TV. And so when they were little, they'd bring me a children's picture book and we'd read the book and then they could watch all the TV they wanted, no problem. Now my children are older and so they'll maybe bring me their iPad and bring me an article they want to read online or they'll bring me a magazine or a newspaper article or something like that. So those are some real simple tips. These are the types of tips I'm always sharing with parents on ways to get uh, your kids excited about reading at home. My God, that's, that's, that's brilliant and is is a good thing you've done with the TV bit. And I think I'm going to take that with me as well. But I think right. last week, you had just mentioned picture books. And I remember my, my little girl, she's six. She came to me and she said, I'm not reading picture books anymore. This is where right. it ends. And then I'm, I've moved on to adult, not like adult books, but books without pictures was what she meant. And I've commended her for that. So that's a good one there. But I want to ask you, what is the most memorable thing you've done in your life you'd like to share with us? Oh my goodness, the most memorable thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> That's a pretty profound question. Mm. I actually have no idea how to answer that. Uh, you know, I love to travel, and uh, so there's moments that, uh, you know, I love to talk, 
And every now and then I, I come across a place which is so spectacular, it shuts me up and I'm just mm. amazed and in awe of what God has done. Mm. So I'll give you several examples. Uh, hiking the Inca Trail and seeing Machu Picchu in Peru was awe-inspiring. Seeing the pyramids in Egypt mm. was awe-inspiring. Uh, seeing the terracotta warriors in, um, in Xi'an, China was awe-inspiring. Uh, I think the thing I like the most about traveling, though, is uh, the more you travel the world, the more you realize that people really aren't that different. Most yeah. people have the same problems, and they have the same feelings, and they have the same dreams and aspirations. And I just love meeting new people and, and learning about different cultures. Um, I was doing a training. I'm a uh, visiting distinguished professor at the American University in Cairo. Mm. Say that five times fast. <laughs> anyway, uh, whenever I'm in Cairo, I like to uh, speak to schools in the area. And so I was, spoke, I was speaking to an Islamic school. And I had all these preconceptions. Uh, it was a parent training at 2 in the afternoon. 400 parents showed up at this Islamic school and all the guys had the long beards and all the women were wearing burqas and we were talking like you and I are talking mm. right now, Sheila. And I'm like, wow, shame on me. This is mm. great. And so I started off my talk. I said, well, I was reading this book the other day. Have any of you ever read the Quran? Mm. And they all started laughing. Mm. I'm like, oh, well, then you know the story in the Quran where the angel Gabriel appears to, to Muhammad in the cave. What's his first instruction to Muhammad? Because the first pillar of Islam is to read. Mm. And so I looked at the parents and I said, so not only should we get your kids reading, it's actually written in mm. your most sacred text. It's your duty to get your kids reading. And I had 400 heads nodding in agreement. I'm like, holy cow, Sheila, who would have thought the Christian guy from America, mm. his best audiences are all these wonderful Muslim audiences that I've had the opportunity to speak to in yeah. in places like Egypt and Pakistan and Indonesia, and uh, that's what I love. That w what really inspires me is staying curious and not being one of these stubborn people that's made up my mind, because people will surprise you all the time, and uh, if you look for the good in people, uh, you're bound to find it every now and then. Finally, what are you excited about? I'm very excited. Sheila, that's a great question. Man, you got some good questions. I'm excited. I'm working with uh, a friend of mine, Dermot Hudner in Ireland. He has a wonderful program called Cyber Smarties, which is a social media platform for kids, basically Facebook for kids, mm -hmm. and it teaches kids positive habits. So let's say I try and type a message to you. I say, Sheila, I think you're ugly. Well, it won't let you send the message. Instead, you get a pop-up video, and I'm saying, uh, hey, there's actually better ways to talk to people than that. Here's some different alternatives and within two weeks kids stop sending negative messages to one another and basically Dermot's program has actually completely eliminated cyberbullying in Ireland and so now we have the program is in India it's in Angola it's in the UAE we just opened up in Turkey and we're gonna really I'm excited about teaching kids positive habits because I I see a lot of adults that are just being really negative and yeah. uh, I don't think uh, that helps the world progress. I think it yeah. makes us regress. I think we yeah. need to start focusing a lot more on the positivity. And that's why I love what you do, Sheila. That's what you're, you're doing. You're spreading some joy. Yeah. And all of us need a little bit, uh, especially in these times, uh, a little bit yeah. of joy in our lives. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for the positive words for this platform. But the program you spoke about, is it going to go worldwide or is it already worldwide? 
Danny, would like to say a massive thank you for coming on podcast with Sheila today. Thank you for all you do, Sheila. You keep on doing it. God bless. Great. If you've been listening in, this is season two, episode 72 of our podcast series, where we bring seasoned guests with inspiring real life stories and experiences to share with us. Do not miss out on all these lovely experiences. Subscribe and be notified when a new episode is released. Whilst at it, please drop us a rating. We have a video presentation of this episode on YouTube channel. Just search for podcast with Sheila on YouTube and you'll find us. Our prayer for you this week is that you become an ardent reader. Until we meet again, have a brilliant week.